Hey, this is Michael Boxall and you're listening to Sound of the Loons podcast. depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and here with me is the stalwart Callum Williams and Cal. My first question for you is, if you could only have one utensil to use across all food paradigms for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> Spoon. Okay, good. There we go. Uh, so anyways, I, uh, I caught video. Uh, you there, did a little video with your fellow broadcasters. Uh, trying out some food from the State Fair. We, we sort of previewed mm. uh, State Fair foods. Mm-hmm. Now you've been there. Yes. What is, uh, what was, you had, it seemed like you liked everything you tried. I mean, what's not to like over there? Right. At least from the stuff that I had. um, There was loads of stuff that I was just semi-perplexed, but also intrigued by as well. Um, It can be a little confusing. Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I I saw, what was it I saw the other day? And it was something like... um, tater tots and bacon and ice cream or something like that and i just thought uh, why not i mean uh, sure yeah i guess that's the the key thing there why not but (laughs) i had um some uh humongous larger tater tots that they were saying was like an irish keg or something like that corned beef in them or something yeah that's that's it yeah um you said your mom made those grandmother grandmother but Did very, she didn't make deep fried ones. I didn't, she didn't make deep no. fried ones. No, okay. so um, that was interesting. Um, anything with corned beef is always a, a good thing in my mind. I like, uh, you know, I recently I became a fan of corned beef hash, and not all that oh. long ago. Um, I think it was one of those things where, okay, picture say twelve year old. Steve, Stephen McPherson, mm-hmm. uh, going to a breakfast place. It's a very peculiar picture, by the way, but go on. What's wrong with that? I, I just can't imagine you being a 12-year-old boy. Okay. I was. <laughs> well, I found that very hard to believe as well. I yes. feel like you've always been I've this. Always, I just came into the world just, like this. I, I yes. feel like this, yeah, honestly. So, um, <laughs> and ordering corned beef hash, in a sense, in, in the thought of thinking... I like beef. Mm-hmm. Like, I was a kid who didn't eat vegetables. All I, so, like, roast beef was what I ate. So I was like, okay, hash, right? I got it. And I was like, I was not ready for exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Like, corned beef has a little different consistency than roast beef, you know? Yes. And uh, and then I sort of wrote it off for years, as was my way at the time. If I didn't like something, <laughs> I was never going to – you wouldn't get me to try it again. So, okay. Um, Fair and then years later, I came back to it, and now I'm just like, man, you give me some corned beef hash with like an over easy egg, ah, uh, that's perfect. That's my, exactly what I want. I, I will not. You will not find an argument from me at all. Like my grandmother, um, I, I used to uh, grow up on on Irish stews that she she used to cook me. My, my grandmother um, is uh, in her late eighties, a woman from from Dublin who essentially raised me and. Um, I grew up on some fabulous food like that, and, and as I mentioned, the Irish stew, but also um, the uh, corned beef hash was a regularity in my life growing up, and um, got me in the mood for corned beef hash now. I fancy some. We should. We should. It's lunchtime. Yeah, it, it is. It is lunchtime. Actually, we're sort of going over lunchtime right now, so um, it's an unfortunate element of recording the podcast. We'll be okay. Yeah, we'll be all right. Um, 
Yeah, I think I might. I think we may be there tomorrow. You're going to be there tomorrow for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I may be there as well. Um, and yeah, I gotta. I still have to try a bunch of things. Did I mention the wild rice burger last time? I think I did. I say you did. That, yes, that's one thing to check out for for the future. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It might just pass me by this year if I don't get to go tomorrow. I, I think I might not make it. But I believe my wife is going tomorrow with her, uh, the youngest. Okay. She went with the oldest last time. So I believe my fiance five, is going. Five, so. Oh yes. Okay. Uh, our other halves can. Yeah. There you go. Can yes. meet for the first time. Yes. Yeah. There we yes. go. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she went with my oldest the first day of the fair. Uh, she was there at 5.50 a.m. when the gates opened at 6. Oh, my word. She was there for eight hours with our oldest. So she has found her foil, and now I don't have to go. So it's a good reason to have kids. <laughs> I say this with the utmost amount of respect, Steve. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just something she grew up doing it, and now she does it all the time. Uh, I, you know, hey, you, it's her passion is the state fair. So. Wow, hey, you do you? Yeah, great. She just she just loves. The, I don't even know what she. It's funny because I don't even know what she really loves because she doesn't eat all the food. She's not. You know, she eats a couple things. She hates people. <laughs> <laughs> or not people. She loves people. She does not a big crowd person. You know, like, but she loves the state fair. So it, it just it does it. I, I, this is all baffling to me. If, yes. if you don't like people and crowds, I mean, that's the worst place in the world to be. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't believe the other day when we were there, walking around and obviously just seeing the array of people, but also the, the amount of just different human beings. Like, you see human beings of all shapes and sizes yeah. at the Minnesota State Fair. It's a massive humanity. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. So my, my first question, Jamie Watson and I were walking around at one stage and uh, trying to find some cash, which I, I still can't believe. It's, it's 2018. Why are people not taking credit cards? Anyway, another yes. debate for another day. Right. Um, I, I literally said to Jamie, does anybody in Minnesota work when this thing comes around? <laughs> and then he rather cleverly bounced off of that and said, I wonder if anybody in Minnesota works out. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, that's... Um, Judging by the amount of people that were around us, I kind of thought to myself, wow, yeah, fair enough. But each to their own, and I can imagine eating that sort of food <laughs> on a regular basis, yeah. it'll do some damage. It's but gotta, It's got to be a real vacation, I think. But yeah. Oh, man, yeah, I just I couldn't believe the amount of people. Um, I, I, I know it's not like it's a new thing. Look, I, I went last year for the first time, yeah. and that, that, that was a shock, but... You know, um, even around the area where we have our um, our store, Fan Central, it was just packed beyond belief. I I didn't think that there would be again that many people. I don't know why. I just didn't think there would be. And it was it was amazing to see how busy our store was as well uh, yeah. in our area. Um, and and the same goes for the fifteen hundred ESPN and Fox Sports North areas as well. They they every area um, seemed to be. Uh, packed to the rafters, which was great. And, and you know, the one thing we know is that Minnesotans love their sports teams. Mm-hmm. So, sure. you know, I, I've obviously the, the other teams had uh, a whole host of people there as well. But Wait, are there other teams? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We, we don't need to talk about them. Yeah. Um, I, just, <laughs> I, I just thought, as I said, I think it was the last week uh, on the last podcast, Steve, I said it's a tremendous celebration of Minnesota. Yeah. And I love that. And I just wish that more people around the world would celebrate themselves more. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So uh, let's talk a little bit about Kansas City. We were both down there mm. in, in Kansas City. Uh, we were roomies. I was just about to say, so we obviously, whenever we cross paths in the office or at training, we always say, good afternoon, good morning, potty. Yes. Because we are podcasters. Yes. Um, does this now mean that we have to break that trend and say hello, Rumi? Rumi, have we moved up? I think we've moved up in, in the, the ladder, if in you will, the, the, the life ladder. Yes, we've moved yes. <laughs> I mean, I was a little disappointed because we got to the hotel, you know, and then we checked in. We had a, we went into the room and there was a king bed, which is what I had requested. But yeah. you quickly fixed it and I didn't want to say anything. Well, so. see, see, this is the thing, right? So I, I have, I quite rightly so, received copious amounts of, of abuse for saying the word spoon on last week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but what people aren't realizing here, all I wanted to do was spoon. That's all I was saying. <laughs> you know? You know, <laughs> you're getting married soon. You, your fiance is not here in the Twin Cities. She right is, now. actually. Well, I mean, <laughs> sorry. You're a lonely man sometimes. Yes, correct. I understand the road is a lonely place. It can you be, know, yes. So, I, you know, I understand. It was, you know. But but I just, well, I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, instincts took over because I'm usually rooming with Jamie Watson. Right. Or our producer, Morgan Lupin, or, or maybe one of the digital uh, chaps, sure. uh, TJ or Shields, or even Durkee, our press officer. Um... And, um, you know, I, I just kind of thought, those are chaps I wouldn't want to spoon with. Right. But Mr. McPherson well, here, I, I would absolutely spoon <laughs> with. So, thank you. Um, my initial reaction was just to be like, oh, well, goodness, no, this, this can't happen. Uh, we have to get uh, the beds sorted. And, and thanks to the people at the hotel who sorted out very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, maybe we need to get on some more road trips, mate. That's, yeah. you know, here we go. If Chris, right, if you're listening, we need to get Steve McPherson on some more road trips. There, there we go. There because go. I, I feel as though you feel that the broadcasters need to be looked after, and I appreciate that. I need a snuggle. It's <laughs> as simple as that. I'm a cuddly guy. There you go. <laughs> you know keep, what I mean? Keep, keep the town happy. <laughs> um, so as far as Kansas City, I was there. Uh, at, uh, the main thing that I wanted to get out of the trip was to hang out with the away supporters because, mm-hmm. you know, the um, – the team has tremendous support at home. Uh, the supporters groups are fantastic. They really have made TCF an amazing place to be for, for games, and it's only going to go up another level at Allianz Field. But, uh, you know, they don't – There's you usually see on the broadcast there's a couple people at, at any game with some yep. Minnesota United apparel. You know, some people make trips out to Portland. There was a big contingent. Um, but, you know, Chicago and Kansas City are the, the two that are close. And so the away the, – the supporters groups, a whole bunch of people go down on a bus – like the day of the game, get in there, go in, make a lot of noise, and then go home that night and drive all the way through the night to get back. And it's it's amazing. It, it is interesting because having gone and sat with the supporters at home, that's a certain thing. It's interesting to see the, the, the different vibe because, you know, at home you really get the sense that they're driving the atmosphere. That yes. They're sort of the ones who are setting the, te- the tone. The, theirs is the tenor of the game. You know, they're the ones who are sort of, uh, you can feel it sort of as they come up to the end of the first half, like they start feeling like we got to start pushing through this moment. You know, you can sort of feel these shifts in momentum uh, that they are a part of. Uh, watching them, you know, this is maybe two dozen, uh, 30 people. Um, they sort of had to, it was like, it was like the resistance. Hmm. You know, they're like out there. Sandwiched between two sections of regular fans, you know, because they're sort of opposite the the, the Kansas City supporters and uh, Blue Hell, um, they and those 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 regular fans. I'm going to just call them regular fans. Yes, 
are just sort of sitting there and, and every once in a while sort of look, like look, looking at these people who are crazy and <laughs> chanting and screaming. And, you know, as soon as uh, as soon as Kansas City went up in that game, uh, you know, the, the stadium erupted, not our section, obviously, the, the supporters, are the uh, Minnesota United supporters sort of tamped down a little bit. Mm. They waited. You know, a, a good amount, and just until the, the the home crowd noise had died and was just on the downslope, and then they started again. It was like, all right, M N U F C, and I was yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. they're like they're there to be like, we're okay. Now we're taking this back. We're taking back the vibe of this, and it, and it's uh, it's really fun to watch. Uh, great people, fun to hang out with. They love soccer and they love you know meeting people. Um, I had a, a woman, Kim, come up to me and tell me she's a regular listener of the podcast. Oh, so, well, thank you, uh, Kim. Which is nice. I hope it's her name was Kim. There was a lot of people. <laughs> I met a lot of people. I'm pretty sure it was Kim. There's a lot of people there to talk to. So I'm sorry, Kim, if that wasn't you. It but, was probably um, Lynn. Yeah. No, I think it was Kim. I'm sure she'll let us know. Well, whoever uh, you are, Steve apologizes I, for not remembering your name. I say thank you for supporting the podcast. And I'm sorry. I'm, ter- I'm terrible with names. I mean, I have to really work on it. So... Um, but anyways, uh, the, the, talk about Kansas City a little bit. It was your return, you know, to your old mm. stomping grounds. Yeah, it was uh, very, very weird. Uh, the first time we'd been there for television, so uh, it was funny. Uh, for those unaware, you know, when, when we're actually on television, we're, we're in front of the camera. Obviously, there's a, a camera operator. There's someone who operates the lights. There's also someone there, what we what we call in the industry is, is a stage manager who you know, hands me uh, promotional reads or will hand me uh, a script uh, of the pregame and, um, you know, that that kind of thing. She sort of, he or she looks after the stage, if you will, in inverted commas, hence, hence the name stage manager. Sure. Um, and uh, the stage manager in Kansas City was uh, a girl called Laurie who I had actually worked with many, many, many times before. Um, and the majority of the... The Kansas City crew, the cameramen and, and the producers, were all people I'd worked with in the past. So it it was quite bizarre. Um, and then walking around the stadium as well, like I, I got a load of people saying, you know, welcome back and, mm-hmm. and all the lovely things that were said. And it, it was lovely. It was really nice to, you know, to, to go and, and, and see a lot of people again, um, even ex-color commentators and... Sure. Um, you know, PR people, or just just everyone. It was just really, really nice. It was, uh, you know, mildly humbling, actually, if I'm being totally honest. It was nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it was lovely to be in that stadium again. Uh, there have been a few improvements since I um, since I had last been there as well. I, I saw my commentary quotes were on the wall um, in one of the executive clubs as well when the when the team won MLS Cup. Definite improvement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was just lovely. It was really nice to be back there, and, and I was able to uh, catch up with a couple of people after the game. You and I went down um, and caught up with a, a few people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other broadcast team, who, who we know very well, um, Jen Watson was with us. Um, there was a couple of people. We managed a quick chat with Peter Vermees as well. Like, it was, you know, it was it was really nice. And then afterwards, I was able to catch up with a, a few old friends as well, which was good, and... It was just nice. Look, I haven't got to say it again. People know Kansas City means a lot to me. It's a place sure. where I met my my soon to be wife. Um, Friday evening, I went and had dinner with my my to be in laws, and it was a really nice visit for me. It was it was really really good. So um, the only bad thing about it was uh, was the result. So yeah. um, 
you know, but look, apart from that, it was a, a thoroughly enjoyable trip. Yeah, I thought uh, it, it was it was fun. It was great to sort of hang out a little bit afterwards and talk to some of the SKC guys. Um, really interesting. I thought, um, you know, one of the things that sort of came out, I think this 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 got talked about a few times on the trip, but uh, I, I thought this was um, one thing that came up was the idea that, you know, Sporting KC has done such a, and Peter Vermees especially, has done such a good job in terms of not just, making that team work, but making that team work in that market. Yes, and, yes. And that that appreciation for the sense that, you know, this isn't, you know, obviously DC United has, it seems like they've made a great play getting Rooney mm-hmm. and, and he's done well. But in terms of attracting, like, your big stars, like, that's not, that's just not how it's going to work. No, you know, no, it's not, no, It's not how it's going to work in Kansas City. It's probably not how it's going to work for Minnesota United, to be to be honest about it. You know, it's like, we're not getting Ronaldo when he no. retires, you know, like. No, 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 no. And so the idea of a system, that's what needs to be embraced. And, and the idea that, you know, Vermees has, this is the system and the system is somewhat rigid. Mm-hmm. But within that, he is always getting players who are going to work in in those those positions, and they might be slightly different options in those positions, so that he can sort of use different um, elements. You know, I was yep. sort of thinking of it as like if you think about a meal, and if you sort of structure your dinner right, you're like you you have a protein, you have a starch, you have a veggie, or something yep. like that. Uh, those those elements could be the same mm-hmm. and consistent, and then if you need something different, you switch out one of the elements, and it changes. It can sort of change the uh, some of the character of the entire the plate, you know. Mm-hmm. That kind of idea of a system, I think, is really is really interesting uh, in soccer, just generally speaking. You're less yep. adapting, you know, to 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 your personnel, and you're more like, I need this is what I want. I'm getting the personnel who fit that. And they can fit it in different ways, but you can get good results out of it. Yeah, and, and what I will say about the system uh, that Peter Vermees has put in place there is it's obviously very, very effective. And, you know, if what is it, uh, four trophies in the last five years or something along those lines, you know, in, in six years rather. And uh, it, it's... Um, the, I, I remember, Steve, again, um, apologies if we've already spoken about this, but I, I just remember being in Kansas City when the whole thing erupted and sort of became relevant out of nowhere and, and it was as popular as as anything else there. It really, really was because sure. the NFL team and the baseball team weren't doing very well and, and it became mainstream. It was fantastic. So the marketing team there and, and everyone who, who is a part of the front office deserves a tremendous, tremendous amount of credits. Um, but you also, um, it, it also helps when you have a winning team. Mm-hmm. And a winning system and an exciting system. Sure. That's where Peter Vermees deserves, for me, the majority of the praise, because he he has assembled a, a tremendous squad uh, and has been given the time. This is his, you know, his what eighth year now in charge, ninth year in charge of, of Kansas City, um, whether it's as a GM or, or the manager, and um, he's he he has just been given the time to assemble the roster that he wants to and has been given the time to adapt to, to the way that MLS is, is going now in terms of bringing in a certain quality of players as well. So I, I, I'm i not sure if I sort of agree, Steve, in terms of, you know, superstar, maybe superstars. It's difficult to attract someone like, like a Rooney to, to Minnesota, but I wouldn't rule it out because mm. this is a big market. Yeah, you know, with Kansas City, it's more difficult. Kansas City is definitely smaller. But but this sure. this is a big market, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if if there were a couple of names over the, the coming years 
um, that were fairly recognisable that ended up here because, of course, they're going to come and see the stadium as well and, and, yeah, and see yeah. that, that side of it. That's true. Um, you know, they might want to play a certain type of football as well and maybe they want to play the type that Adrian Heath has, yeah. has put in place here. Yeah. So I don't know, but um, I, I love the fact that uh, Vermees has brought in the players for his system. Mm-hmm. The signing of Ilya Sanchez for me is absolute masterstroke you know because it just works so well in this in in this system yeah now hear me out here i I, by no means am i comparing peter vermees and sporting kansas city to pep guardiola and manchester city but we all noticed in the game the way that the two fullbacks were so 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 aggressive the most aggressive fullbacks i've ever seen in major league soccer Mm -hmm. some of the most in the world because they play this system that allows them to go forwards. But instead of just going down the wings, they tucked in an awful lot as well. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting to me because you had the combination of, of Schuler and Warner in there that were supposed to be covering all this ground. Sure. For whatever reason, there was a, a certain amount of space for Zusi and Sinovic. The only time I have ever seen that before when the holding midfielder drops back right in between the centre halves, we, we know that's when the fullbacks go. Usually then those fullbacks stay out wide, almost when they're getting chalk on the boots. Mm-hmm. But Zusi and Sinovic were almost like central midfielders, the way that they tucked in. Yeah. And they were wanting the ball. They were they were asking Rubio to hold it up and, and play it back to them. And I've never seen that in Major League Soccer before. Yeah. The only time I have seen it, as I say, is Guardiola and Manchester City in the mm-hmm. Premier League. So I, I was fascinated and... I, I just wish we had more time to talk about it on the broadcast because it was something that straight away stuck in, in my mind and I thought, this this is this is really, really good stuff here. And and let's be honest, Zusi and Sinovic had several opportunities. You know, yeah, they were restricted to long range efforts because of the resilience of the Minnesota back line, but yeah. it was Especially still in that first half. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know. But it was still so intriguing to see them both maneuver in, in the way that they were and the manner that they were. Um, as I said, I've not seen that in Major League Soccer before. So, yeah. you, you know, I, I think the listener knows I'm a big fan of Peter Vermees. And, mm-hmm. and for me, you know, if, if everybody got a vote as to who the next US manager would be, he would certainly get mine. Um, but I, I think Sporting Kansas City and Peter Vermees are, are a tremendous team. And um, again, you know, they, they do lack a centre forward, although Rubio scored. I think um, in the offseason, they will address that. Um, and I think not this year, but MLS 2019, I would have Sporting Kansas City as one of the favorites for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I should to track back to what you're saying. I, maybe I'm I'm selling us maybe I'm selling us a little too short because I, I I you know in terms of Allianz Field, I think that is going to be uh, a tremendously attractive uh, element. Absolutely. And that um, you know again, Adrian has a reputation yep. at, for for developing strikers, and if that conti- if if that happens, if that continues to happen. Uh, you know, if Mason Toy seems to, you know, if he's stepping up, Abu Dunlady, if he's mm-hmm. stepping up, if that's if that's what's happening continuously, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, a young promising striker say, well, that's the system. Yep. That's what I want to do. And in terms of the system, you're, we've also talked about this before that, you know, Minnesota United has been has had more success with the three five two given the personnel that we have mm-hmm. right now. But that if 
if Adrian's if the four two three one is being played the way that um, you want it to be played, you have a, a strong six who is defensive who is dropping back, and that almost makes a three man back line sure. as the fullbacks go forward, which is what we're using wingbacks for right now. Mm-hmm. So you know it's 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 not it's not day and night. You know, like it's you're trying to achieve some of the same things. It's just. It's just it's just a different angle on some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just I just think honestly, Steve, because we are in such a big market here, um, I, I don't know what it is. Europeans, for the most part, tend to like big city and everything. And you know, if you go yeah. downtown Minneapolis, I mean, you, I remember when I first got here and thought, oh, this is a fantastic city. city yeah. You know, and Jerry's so, talked about it when I talked to Jerry about coming. Uh, Jerry uh, Tsone, mm. uh, I feel so formal when I have to call him. <laughs> Tsone. But uh, when I was talking to him about coming to Minnesota, you know, he's coming from Switzerland, and he yes. was like, "This city is huge. Yeah. Like Minneapolis is huge compared to like where he, where he had been." Yeah, so, and know. that's that's very attractive to people, and especially now with the way the league is going as well. Obviously, poaching all the top Scandinavian players. Poaching the the top South American players as well. Yeah, this is a really really exciting project, yeah. and, and I'm intrigued to see what type of players we bring in over the next couple of years here. Yeah, all right. Let's talk a little bit about the stretch run. This is going to be exciting. Uh, I did a little math. Oh, I'm sorry to say that I did. I mean, I probably did it wrong. I thought your eyes were bleeding earlier on, actually, but yeah, nevertheless, it was just, it was just, it was just a bit just, too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got eight games left. Yep. We have four games away. Mm-hmm. Four games at home. We have 29 points. We're averaging 1.12 points per game, which means that if we continue that pace, we could be expected to pick up 8.96 points the rest of the way. Let's call that nine points. Yep. That would get us to 38, which which is tied with the Galaxy right now, who are in sixth. So if no one else wins any more games, we're cool, (laughs) I think, right? I have that right. Um, More realistically... What's your assessment right now of, 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 of where Minnesota United is at and, and what we're looking for down the rest of the stretch? Uh, look, first of all, I think it's it'd be rude not to be honest. It's it's it's, it's not good enough. Um, I, th- I thought they gave a decent account of themselves in Kansas City. I really did. Yes, and- I should say that. I mean, I sort of alluded to it in that first half, but I, I think they actually played reasonably well and mm. against Kansas City, given that we're missing Quintero, given various, yes. given various things that were going on. 2-0 is not like a terrible result. But see, this is the thing though. I, we, we were finding this hard. We were talking about this after we went off the air. It, it's so difficult because they gave a good account of themselves. So there are plenty of positives, but they still lost. Yeah, I know, and and yeah. this is the thing. It's so difficult because, you know, if, if Melia doesn't make several of those decent saves, um, you know, if, if Toy is able to prod home on the stroke of half time, yep. it's a completely different game, you yep. know. And how many times has Adrian Heath said this, you know, that, that goals change games? And, and, and it's oh God, so true. It so but it's so true because, like I said, <laughs> if Toy scores that goal before half time, yeah. we go in 1 0 leading, and it changes the complexity of the game completely. If Abu Danladi, if Angelo, Angelo Rodriguez scores the goals where Emilia makes a good save, yeah. Again, it's it's a completely different game. Yeah. So, you know, because I didn't think Kansas City were particularly great that day no, either. No, um, You know, Shuttleworth was forced into one or two saves. And, and the two goals that were scored, I, I know Bobby was disappointed with the second one. He feels as though we should have saved that. Sure. Um, the, the first one, I think, was, um, <laughs> again, not, not Minnesota's finest hour defensively either. So... Right. Um, I think right now, Steve, that, what I will say, I think this break has come at a really good time mm-hmm. because it gives people a chance to reassess 
Um, and it also gives a lot of people a chance to, to regain their fitness. Yeah. I think the likes of Abu Danladi and um, Romario Ibarra will really benefit from having this two weeks. I know Adrian's giving a couple of them a few days off, mm-hmm. but the ones like Danladi, like Romario Ibarra, like Geron Tisson, who have had injuries in the past, mm-hmm. they're all, I, th- I, th- I believe they're going to have one day off. Yeah. Like, and the, it's back they up, are. Yeah properly focusing them and getting them ready yeah. for the last eight games of the season. And that's great because we're going to need them, especially with DC, um, with Boxall and, and Calvo both being um, suspended. We're going to need everybody, everybody we can. You, got, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's an important stretch. Um, yeah. the, the one person that I missed out of this list purposely, well, two of them purposely I left out because I want to talk about them uh, specifically, is, is Fernando Bob and Darwin Quintero. Um, watching training on Tuesday, watching it with Jamie and Kendra, we were, we were having a, a really intriguing conversation, and I completely agree with what Jamie brought up. Fernando Bob, he he, he looks to be the player that we think he is, mm-hmm. where he's a holding midfielder when he will knock long balls all over the place, so many diagonal balls over 50, 60 yards, uh, and in training, he was he was magnificent. And they had a little scrimmage, and, and he was magnificent in that. Um, I think, as well as having the aerial ability of Angelo Rodriguez, the main beneficiary here is going to be Darwin Quintero once again. Once he gets himself fit, once he gets over the calf injury, mm-hmm. good, no problem. And, and, and let's hope that is over the next 10 days or so. I think it will be. Let's hope so. So, for me... Fernando Bob not only provides balance and, and discipline and cover, he also provides an opportunity for Darwin Quintero as well. And this is what Jamie said, and as I said, this is why I agree with it. Because everybody now will watch tape on Fernando Bob and they will look at what he does. And what he does, as I mentioned, is he plays these tremendous long balls over the top. So what does that do from a, an opposition back line? Well, it forces you back because you know that they're trying to go over the top, they're mm-hmm. trying to go over the back line for sure. Rodriguez, Danladi, Toy, whoever's up there. So that forces the back line back and deep. Or well, what does that do? That creates space in front of them. Space between the midfield. For Darwin Quintero. Yeah, which is where he loves to be. So, so I, I completely agree with what Jamie said there. And, and to me, once again, the beneficiary of this signing is going to be Darwin Quintero, who I've said time and time again, Steve, I believe someone like him can score 20 goals in this league. Yeah. And um, I, I just hope that he gets himself fit. I hope Bob gets himself fit. I hope that the likes of Romario and Jerome Tisson get themselves fit as well because we're going to need every single body in these remaining eight games. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, and I should make it clear, I am I don't know what Adrian's going to do. I don't know. Uh, I am not speaking yeah, in terms no of the idea. policy of the club. This is, this is me. I'm somebody who has always loved from NBA to now, whatever like that. I get excited to see, you know, like, sometimes in a way, like when things, when you've sort of realized that playoffs are not available, I say this as somebody who fought the Timberwolves for years. So. <laughs> When the playoffs are not an option, like once that is closed down, I get very interested in in what happens at that point. Mm. Um, And again, not a prescription of what should happen, but I like the possibility of really assessing players as you're going into that offseason for what your needs are, for exactly Mm -hmm. what you're going to, you know, like I think there are are obvious top line needs that we know Minnesota United has and obviously has needed a holding midfielder for a long time. If 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 this is correct and Fernando Bob can address that, that's great. But he's also older, you know, it's like, you know, he's 
do you do you see Fernando Bob and you say he's got a lot left in the tank? He can be our holding mid, you know, for the foreseeable future. Mm. Do you see him and you go, he's good, but it's time to bring in somebody who's younger who he can help. You know, he can he can sort of help mold that person. Um, do you say uh, down the stretch? Do you see well? You know, the three five two really is the way to go. We need to build toward that. We need to look at personnel for that. Or do you start to say? Well, you know what? Like, I think based on getting Romario fit, getting some of these other guys fit, we can go to the four-two-three-one, and then if yep. that's what it is, let's see that and let's see how that works for a while. I like the idea of being able to see some tinkering, mm-hmm. of being able to see some different guys and roles. Of I like, I love seeing Mason get out there, you know, uh, and and play in in Kansas City. So yep. I think that that those elements, just selfishly, I find that part interesting. I'm the guy where, like, if I'm if I'm playing a, a, a NBA video game, a FIFA video game, whatever, like if I get close to the end of the season, I just sim it out so I can get new guys hmm. and then I put in those new guys and see what they can do. I right. like I like that stuff. So I like seeing new guys. I like seeing what they can do. I'm also interested in the idea of you know what you're saying about that you we said this before about Angelo that that this Angelo is not we don't necessarily expect him to be a double digit goal scorer although mm-hmm. it would be great if he was. We think a huge beneficiary is going to be Darwin. Yep. That he's going to hold up play and allow Darwin to get forward and this is going to help Darwin. The idea that Fernando Bob is not just going to be defensively important but will be a spark plug moving forward to get Darwin that ball. We've seen Darwin's ability to put in diagonal passes. Mm-hmm. You know, if if he, this gives a lot of options because then you're saying what if you're playing it out to to what if Darwin is drifting and he's drifting out toward the wing and and Bob can play a, a diagonal pass across to him that opens up a lot of space for darwin to play diagonal yep. passes across to miguel mm-hmm. or whomever else is playing so again it's i do think that 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 holy midfield position whether or not it's fernando bob going forward is one of those dominoes that when it falls and it works it can open up a whole lot for the team all over the pitch like yep. it's going to be it's going to be a game changer in a lot of ways so I, th- I think that the one thing which we would which we will need to see uh, should fernando bob play uh, against DC United is we, we need somebody alongside him who is willing to protect and scrap. Mm-hmm. You know, so whether that is Rasmus Schuler or Colin Warner, you know, I I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe even Ibsen I, or Maximiano. I, I don't know. The good yeah. thing is we have options. Yeah. <laughs> so Well, I'm um, interested in Schuler. I think Schuler has shown an ability to be a real box-to-box guy and do defensive work and mm-hmm. do offensive work. So the idea that you would pair him with somebody who is maybe even who is more defensive it, it can make his defense look even better because he sure. doesn't need to give as much, but he still needs to give some in that in that respect, and he can Absolutely. deliver that. So oh, it, it, it's going to be interesting, Steve. But that's um, I, I just thought that was a, a really really intriguing uh, look at it from from Jamie. Just a, a tremendous footballing mind, um, and and I. I couldn't agree more yeah. with, with how Fernando Bob is going to affect this team and looking forward to seeing it over the next coming weeks. Yeah. Let's uh, let's touch briefly on Clint Dempsey, who just this yeah. morning announced his uh, his retirement before we sign off here. Um, we have like two and a half weeks before the next game, so we're not going to preview <laughs> the next game. Yet. <laughs> a lot of things could happen. Yes. Um, DC has two games this week even, so who knows. Mm-hmm. So um, Clint Dempsey, let's just get your initial thoughts. Clint Dempsey's career what it's meant for, you know, the Sounders, what it's meant for U.S. soccer. For me, and look, I I understand I will have plenty of people disagree with this. For me, Clint Dempsey is the best soccer player that the U.S. has produced. I think Landon Donovan was the most effective, but I think Dempsey Mm, is is the the most uh, gifted player. Uh, just in terms of what he can do with the ball at feet. Sure. Um, sure. I remember seeing him... I like that. Him... I, I'm going to say right away, I like that. I okay. like how you're positioning that. <laughs> I, I remember seeing him in the early days at Fulham 
uh, when I was a, a teenager, just had a season ticket at Aston Villa in the Premier League, and Dempsey would come to Villa Park and just rip Aston Villa apart, no problem. Mm-hmm. And, and this is when they were a good team as well. And, you know, you'd, you would watch the Premier League highlights in, in the evening. And I remember it was when Fulham sort of had a lot of the American players and, and Brian McBride was there, Carlos Bocanegra. I think Casey Keller was the goalkeeper at the time. Sure. And um, I remember thinking to myself, these are all good players that have come in from America, you know. And I think Dempsey was, was perhaps the first player to really, uh, and not, I say this with all due respect because Brian McBride and the names I mentioned played their part, no doubt. But I think Dempsey was perhaps the first player in, in this modern day and age to get people to say, hmm, maybe there is some talent, maybe there is an untapped talent in sure. North America. Maybe we should yeah. go and, and have a look. Now, obviously, there, there were scouts here long before that. But I think it's when people really started to think, maybe, maybe we should have a look over there. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, look, I mean, when he moved on to Tottenham, um, I remember uh, my team, Aston Villa, were one of the teams that, that were allegedly in for him at the time. And I remember being tremendously excited, thinking he would, he would be such a difference maker in our team. But he goes to the bigger team in Tottenham Hotspur after scoring 17 goals for what was a, a mediocre Fulham team that year. Um, and he did very well at Spurs and, and, and scored some tremendous goals against Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea and whatnot. And when he, I remember when he came to MLS in 2013, there was the rumours that he was flying over. I was away, I think it was Chicago Fire um, with Kansas City at the time. And I remember being at the airport and there were rumours that Clint Dempsey had flown uh, from London to Chicago Mm-hmm. And he was going to go on, and no, no one really knew where he was going to go on to then. <laughs> okay. So we were all sort of frantically looking around, like anyone's in Dempsey anyway, you know. Yeah. Um, and the the rumor was, and the strong rumor, which a lot of people thought, because of course everyone was like, oh, you know, is he going to start Chicago Fire? Is he going to come back to MLS at all? The real um, believable rumor at that time, Steve, was well, actually, he was going to go and sign for Everton, who were on a preseason tour of the United States uh, at the okay. time. So sure. it was like, okay, yeah, I, I can sense. see that. Yeah. Next thing, about, what, five days later, we've just played a game in Kansas City and, and I'm in the, uh, the supporters' bar afterwards and uh, the Seattle game is on the television and all of a sudden you see Clint Dempsey come out with the owners on the field and you're like, no, no way, no way. <laughs> and he unzips his jacket and he's wearing a Sounders jersey and it was just a brilliant reveal. Yeah, that's and, great. And I remember thinking to myself, this is a huge moment for MLS because Dempsey was 31, he'd just turned 31 at the time and he'd, he'd come off three impeccable years in the Premier League, mm-hmm. could have easily stayed there. But yeah. he, again, Don Garber always speaks about this being a league of choice mm-hmm. and it was Dempsey's league of choice then, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'm sure the $7 million paycheck a year played its part. But, yeah, it doesn't um, that, That's money he could have earned in the Premier League, that's right. money he could have earned in Serie A or, or La Liga, anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I think that was arguably a turning point in Americans coming here because yeah. then in 2014 we saw Altador and we saw Bradley come in. Then we saw a few years later like the likes of Bedoya come into Philadelphia. Now these types of signings when the Americans come back, unless they are Christian Pulisic for example, but when the Americans come back and they are big players, I don't think it's that much of a massive deal anymore because of the quality of the league and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. I'm not saying it's not a big deal at all, but, you know, when uh, Michael Bradley signed for Toronto, massive, huge. You were like, it's Michael Bradley. He's 26 and starting for Roma. Yeah. 
I think if Dempsey didn't sign for the Sounders the year before, that would have gone down as the biggest signing in MLS history, arguably up there, you know what I mean? So I just think um, Dempsey improved the quality massively of the Sounders, and and it took him a little while to get going, but once he did, my words, you know, him and Eddie Johnson up front together for the Sounders were were unstoppable at at one stage, and um, just fantastic. The national team he was wonderful for as well, and... The, the, the moment I remember when he scored an early goal in the, the 2014 World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, again, thought it was a huge moment because there were a lot of people then who were made aware of the US-Ghana rivalry because it was pumped all over the place on ESPN. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, so many casuals have tuned into this yeah. and the US have scored inside 90 seconds or whatever it is and all the soccer haters and everything are like, ooh, the US has scored like an early goal and instantly it grabbed them and that was the day John Brooks got the right goal and everything but Dempsey has played such a tremendous part in the growth of this sport here mm-hmm. you know I'm sure everybody will, will will thank him over the next couple of years whenever they see him out and about but um, for me the best footballer that the US have, have produced thus far hopefully it changes moving forward but um you know, really has played his part moving forward uh, yeah. and looking back on, on the growth of the sport in this country. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's surprising to me how often uh, people I talk to, you know, as we're talking about MLS, a lot of them reference Dempsey and um, particularly Obafemi Martins uh, mm. playing together and how dynamic an attack that was. And yes. it was. I mean, you know, and that was... A lot of people just say that that Seattle Sounders team, that was the, like, Nick Bisbee was one of the guys when I talked to him about, uh, you know, he's uh, the, one of the founders of TNE. Mm-hmm. That was that was his introduction to MLS as as a thing to follow was watching that the, that team. So um, and I think that it's it's interesting. Um, and again, I I know I always talk about the NBA, but listen, I have a lot of experience in, <laughs> in the NBA. And uh, you know, if you think about European players coming to the NBA and what that means, it's sort of the in some ways a, a, the, an inverse relationship, sure. right? Um, and that I like that one of the things I like about that effective versus versus best. This is coming up again with the retirement of Manu Ginobili, mm. uh, who's retiring from the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, for some reason, this came up as an argument about like Dirk Nowitzki and Manu Ginobili because um, and people are saying Manu is is better. He's he's got the better stats. He's won more championships. But I think that it's sort of that exact thing. Dirk Nowitzki is a better player. Manu Ginobili was a more effective player. Like, in, in the role that he had, he just did everything that was required of him. He was a six-man. So that idea of, like, you know, there were European players who came over before Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Kukoc, et cetera. They were effective. Mm. They were they were quality players. But I think there is something about a guy like Dirk Nowitzki who becomes, you know, an all-star, like a superstar. Like, he leads his team to a championship. That changes the perception of the European players, I think, in, in a way that I think that maybe Clint Dempsey is is is, to, is a step towards that with American players in the national stage, like you're saying, yep. that he's just at a talent level that is, is he's not just a good player, a quality player, an effective player, a, a versatile player, you know, like all, all those things. He's like a legit scoring phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And so that's that, that's exciting. You know, it's a thing that I hope that, like you're saying, I hope that there's, you know, obviously Pulisic is, is on a great track toward toward accomplishing those kinds of things. Yep. Um, I know technically Alfonso Davies is not ours because he's Canadian. Yes. But still the idea of the North American soccer, I mean, the MLS is a North American league. So, yes, yes, um, absolutely. So, you know, those are those are very young guys who hopefully have futures ahead of them, um, like Clint Dempsey. So. I, hope, I hope so. As I, as I mentioned there, Steve, I mean, he's, he's played tremendous part in the growth of this sport and the history of it let's hope that he's not the last you know I I really believe in Christian Pulisic he looks fantastic and you know but the the one thing I will say as well is you know (laughs) 
this this is you mentioned Davies and, and a couple of other people there. For me now, I, you know, obviously with the Premier League starting and everything, you know, it's great to see the Premier League starting. It's great to have Bundesliga and La Liga and so easy to watch in this country as well. Mm. But let's be proud of Major League Soccer. Like it's <laughs> yes. our league, you know. Yeah. It's it, it's a league that has, has grown so much over the last couple of years. And when we have Clint Dempsey, who started his career, obviously went elsewhere and was tremendous. He came back here when he could have gone so many other places, finished here strongly. Alfonso Davies was produced in a North American soccer academy. Yeah. Now he's going to Bayern Munich. Yeah. Let's be proud of Major League Soccer. I'm sick of people <laughs> just saying, oh, you know, it's it's MLS, you know, it, it, it's a certain standard. Yeah, it is a certain standard. It's a good one. Yeah. You know, so just be proud of your league, you know. And uh, as I said, I have no problem with people supporting uh, Premier League and wearing Manchester United jerseys or whatever, you know. But remember, you, you've got a team in your area as well. Wherever you're listening to this, you've more than likely got a team in your area. Support your team, because if you want Major League Soccer to be as good as your Premier League team and whatnot, it comes down to you watching your team on television and putting your bum on a seat. Together, we can grow this league. And right now, it's the best it's ever been. And with your help, it's only going to get better. Wow, that was like Winston Churchill. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, the British accent really helped carry it. I felt, I was like, I, I was waiting for some strings. Can we get some strings behind us? Like, okay. Um, thanks for, that was great. I agree with what, exactly what you said. Um, I don't mean you. to undercut you. But I am. Okay. <laughs> thanks for joining us for the 25th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next match is on Wednesday, September 12th, which feels like so far away right now. Against uh, DC United in the brand new Audi field. I'm also going to be there for that one. Oh, you are? Yes, I'm going to DC. So Brilliant. Um, Some spooning that, <laughs> in our future. <laughs> yeah. I'm staying with my dad. So ah, uh, you know. I'm staying with my, my, someone who will be my wife at that stage. Okay, well, so, there yeah. you go. That's right. Oh, I was going to ask you to preview your, your wedding. Maybe we can do that next week. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah, I wanted the, the, the keys to the game for your wedding. They put on, so. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so that match against DC United, that kicks off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating. You can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com. And you can follow me at Steve Entris. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. 